Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Everybody, welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Tom and Dustin here. Uh, so, Tom, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, man, it's Monday. It's it's a it's a Monday, and um, I it, it, those of you anyone follow me on on Twitter, Instagram will know that we just got new cats. So, this is the most exciting thing happening in my world right now. To ask me later why we drove to Canada to get those cats mm-hmm. will be another story for another time. But you know, it's all good. That's fun though. Yeah, pets are very nice and therapeutic. It's always nice to have those. Uh, you go back home and everything. Um, I know I miss having a dog. It's like beside the point. Whenever I get off campus, you know, that's probably one of the first things I'll do. But um, this episode is with Ama Marfo, the uh, acclaimed author of The Eyes Have It uh, about introversion and student affairs, and uh, she chatted with us uh, about the experience. Kind of, uh, it's been a couple months now since the book came out, um, and she's gotten a lot of feedback, and uh, it's it's interesting to hear because uh, I think from my side of kind of identifying as an introvert, feeling as though I've kind of been on the margins, and she said that now it's uh, having a book all about introversion, almost like extroverts are feeling as though they kind of um, you know maybe aren't getting the the attention they deserve. But um, so I thought that was like an interesting point of how kind of maybe the tables are turning that introversion's kind of trending right now. Yeah, she also, um, world-breaking news in this episode from her. Uh, I suspect it will be... um, It'll be epic for those of you who don't know. No, she she shares what what her next project's going to be. It's not, it's not, it, it's okay. We're not going to change the world with it, but yeah, it, yeah, okay, maybe, a, we yeah. maybe we will. <laughs> yes. As, as an extrovert who read the book, um, and, and I say extrovert meaning I, I tend to be extrovert. I definitely have a lot of introvert tendencies, though. Uh, but as an extrovert who read the book, especially as a manager, um, I, I pulled away a bunch of things, and it was interesting to hear her sort of take on that as well. Um, Awesome. Um, so absolutely, if you've not checked out the book yet, uh, do so. Uh, and just have a listen to uh, all the things that Alma has to say about uh, introversion. It's definitely a discussion that's been going on for a while. and There's more uh, important things to discuss. So uh, I really enjoyed it. Again, I kind of identify as an introvert. So um, it's really awesome to have her on. And before we get in to the episode, I just want to give a quick shout out to our awesome sponsor, the National Society of Leadership and Success, which if you haven't checked them out, is an amazing speaker series and leadership program. And I know this firsthand because I was actually a broadcast speaker for the society two times in the past, alongside big names like Stephen Covey, Patch Adams, and the founder of Zappos, Tony Shea. And I've experienced the amazing opportunities this society offers its students by helping them discover and achieve their purpose. With over 400 campuses nationwide, they truly are positively impacting retention rates, and they just offer so much value to a campus. So if you haven't seen them or heard of them, I highly recommend you check them out at societyleadership.org. All right, with that, let's get the show started. Nice. I love it. And I love the shirt, the, the full representation going on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Had to to do it. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's really impressive, just like how like in how much I guess just the you know community I guess around running and stuff like they've all just really kind of been galvanized just to like really represent with the uh, Boston Marathon this year. Like there's like I heard, like thirty six thousand people running yeah, and, and just like and it's great. Like there are families out like by the street and mm-hmm. like all their kids and stuff. It's awesome. Very cool. Patrick Love, one of the it seems like he was getting a lot of love out there, so that was really nice. Yeah, I'm hoping to see him later on because I know he started, I want to say like 1045, I mm-hmm. think. And then I'm going down to the finish round two. He should be around there by then. Yes. Yeah, and we appreciate you fitting us in with like the, because I know it's like a huge, like be there right when they finish and, you know, pick them up and everything's I'm sure they'll be like worn out and stuff. Oh, sure. just like, yeah. But um, yeah, and if uh, just to, to jump in, um, how we start kind of all of the episodes, just introduce yourself and your kind of brief uh, student affairs story where, you know, kind of got to be where you are now. Jump all right. right so let's see. I did undergrad at University of Rhode Island and I finished actually in three years. So I was there from 2004 to 2007. Um, talked to a couple people about doing student affairs right after, wasn't really into the idea. Um, so I did um, some promotions and advertising type things. I did professional event planning for about a year um, and then started working in a community college. So I did that, actually I started that, I wanna say like a week after my 22nd birthday. So I did that for about a year, wanted to get better at it and kind of knew that if I wanted to do it anywhere else or do it a little bit bigger then I needed to go back to school. So after two years, then I did a grad program at South Florida. I um, graduated from there in 2011, did a year at Florida State in student activities and then moved up to Emmanuel where I am finishing up my second year. So here I am now. <laughs> Very cool. Um, um- eagerly awaiting the next step because I'm in like the grad search right now and it's just or the job search after finishing my grad program um, uh-huh. with my whole cohort and everything so it's just like there's some people that are starting to get stuff and I'm just like I'm ready I'm hungry man I'm just <laughs> you got just, this man yeah. it's gonna be fine <laughs> just the endurance tests uh, <laughs> like emotional uh, journey here not, um, not unlike the marathon itself but yeah well, I didn't want to I didn't want to draw that correlate and I was just like oh what I'm going through is just like the very but it is, I mean, it's like an emotional marathon kind of just like it's, it's yeah. emotional and it's exhausting and you have to stay hydrated during it so it's it's basically the same right yeah i got my water with me all the time yeah. is, is there a beer tent at the end of your emotional <laughs> that, that would be great if I, yeah just somebody just hands someone me like, set one up for you you'll yeah. be surprised how much it'll help yeah. uh, i'll work on that um uh, so uh, we like the you know our community. We we chatted with you uh, a little while ago about writing the eyes have it, kind of the process leading up to it. Um, so we kind of wanted mm-hmm. to check in uh, with where you are now. Like it's been a couple months since it's been published and everything. What's uh, the experience experience has been like for you since it's been published? It's been really interesting. Um, we're right about three months away. I think it came out three months ago on Thursday. Um, so it's been right around that amount of time since then. It's been far bigger than I ever really expected. Like for me, it was successful if my parents got all the way through it and said that they understood it. So I was, right. so when other people started reading it and then said, oh, we're going to add this to our list of books we read this year. That just, for some reason, it never clicked in my head that people were going to read it. I thought I would just write it and then it would exist. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to talk to people and see what they're getting from it and how they're planning on using the information from it. So definitely an adventure and far bigger than anything I had expected from it. 
Are there any, are there any like specific highlights of things that happened um, since publishing that you're like, ah, that's just a really cool sort of uh, 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 moment for me or for the book or for the ideas in the book that you never have thought? There was one day, probably about three or four days after it came out, that I woke up, like startled myself awake from a nightmare that people were giving it really bad Amazon reviews. I don't know why that was such a huge concern for some reason. Um, but that same day on LinkedIn, Bruce Kasanoff, who's one of their influencers, had released his new book and was looking for people to review it. So I sent him an email and I said, based on this pr- exact situation that I'm having, I'm happy to review it and then um, go on Amazon and let you know what I think. Because I'd read some of his other stuff and knew that I liked it. So I figured that most of it was coming from things that he had already blogged about. And I knew that I was going to like it. And then I told him why. And he said, well, send me yours and I'll let you know what I think of it. So I went ahead and sent him a copy of it. And like three hours later, he mailed me back and he's like, nope, I loved it. And I reviewed it. So my first really good Amazon review came from Bruce Kasanoff, the LinkedIn influencer, just because I asked based on a nightmare. So that was probably <laughs> the weirdest but coolest thing to happen. Yeah, that's, that's that's a funny story, which I, again, I always just love the idea where they like you kind of just break through the like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're too big or like they wouldn't want to do the thing. And they're like, they're totally cool with it. They're just like, yeah, sure. And just kind of be like supportive, like the just volunteering, you know, a little bit of his time to do something like that is really cool. Mm-hmm. I actually think it goes to it. Just a bigger thing. I, I, I know even with the podcast itself, just just the concept of asking um, so few people will even go out on a limb to ask um, for fear of X, Y and Z from that ask or even the fear of just asking itself uh, but yet overwhelmingly everyone's like yeah of course we'd love to be a part of it and you know we've gotten um, New York Times bestseller authors lined yeah. up for this podcast which is just like so cool to think about um, and, but most people will never even just do the ask mm-hmm. in the first place yeah and I, I tell my students and I tell grad students all the time I'm like Relatively speaking, especially in our field, we're a group of people that very rarely say no to something like that. Like we want to share our stories. We want to help people out. So if you ask, it's pretty unlikely you're going to hear no. Yeah. Yeah. In a previous podcast, we actually talked about the idea that I feel like a lot of people in, in, in student affairs come from a, a social work or social justice background um, where we're sort mm-hmm. of the, the nature is to want to help, want to be supportive and, and give um, to the world. And so uh, luckily that, that it's just an awesome environment to be surrounded in or mm-hmm. surrounded by. Totally. Yeah at any given moment. Yeah, I sort of sense that as well. Just like very supportive, very helping, you know, it's very nice. <laughs> um, and I guess, because I know you've like, uh, probably like engaged with people about me, like what their biggest point or like takeaway from the book was and um, anything like discussion wise that you've had. So like the kind of points of emphasis in the discussion around like introversion, specifically in student affairs, like is there, um, something that you've gotten that was like a surprising takeaway that a lot of people had or um, seemed to be the biggest thing that people kind of took away from the book? Like. Um, I think the biggest takeaway an individual point that I've seen, which I was really excited about because it corresponded to a pseudo, mm-hmm. one of the illustrations in the book was the number of people who appreciate the doors to their office. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, when I wrote about that very specifically, it's one of those things where some of us have doors, some of us don't. 
Um, I have one right now. I'm so thankful for it. Thankful for the ability to close it <laughs> and just kind of control the level of stimulation and the level of interaction that we're having with others. Not because we want to keep people out, but sometimes it's just you need your own time to be able to collect yourself and relax or just have even that extra half step of control between what's coming at you and how you can respond to it. And I think that most people that I've talked to have said, thank you for letting that be normal and for letting me know that it's okay to want to close my door sometimes i'm not being antisocial. i don't hate people i just need that extra time so that to me is probably the single individual point that people have come to me and said thank you for saying mm-hmm. i remember um i was up at uh, umass boston's campus and uh, they have an open floor plan for their offices and so it's essentially mm-hmm. essentially there there are no doors um and i was sitting yep. And I was sitting with the the advisor uh, that, and sorry, not the advisor, the head of student activities. I think he actually just moved up to to another position, um, and and he was just like he, he was so frustrated by the concept. But then I was like, yeah, but it also seems really cool, the buzz and the vibe. And and I and I was reading that part of the book, and I was looking at it, and I was totally remembering him because he is a he's a complete eye, and so for uh-huh. him, it just must drive him nuts to not have the opportunity to close the door. And 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 have his time to re-energize. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, I totally relate to that one moment. And while while the the trend of this concept of open floor plans it sounds exciting and new and fresh, um, it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for everyone. Right, right. In and fact, it's, um, it, it, actually, it, Susan Cain, who wrote Quiet, that's one of her big, not crusades per se, but one of her big points to make now with offices is saying that we get why you do open floor plans and we understand the benefits to creativity, but not everyone in your office is going to benefit from those and here's why. So bringing in the inverse understanding of it, even if it doesn't shut anything down or change anything, just being aware that some of your employees, some of your coworkers aren't going to be productive in that space for any number of reasons. So I appreciate appreciate her strongly for bringing awareness to so many elements of it, but that in particular. That was Susan Cain, you said? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that book, Quiet, yeah. Um, and it seems like, I guess, it has to be, like, because I, I appreciate, like, both for different, like, I would need the quiet space, but, like, I guess if it was, like, okay, there's some offices, and then you can kind of go out into this bit, but you can like, kind of retreat, but it's, like, you can kind of, you know, engage with your desired resistance level or something, so it's, like, the open stuff is cool, because it's, like, collaborative, but, I don't know, like, just have, I don't know, quiet rooms or something, but... The next thing that I wanted to ask was, uh, I guess, if there was anything from the book, because um, you've noted what was kind of cool and, um, you know, kind of takeaways that you like enjoyed. Is there anything like interesting, like odd kind of takeaways, that I guess, that are like, because um, I'm thinking just like with the discussion, like, it seems like some people kind of uh, maybe get it or maybe just they like, got like a different point that you weren't expecting. Is there anything kind of unexpected um, in the response to the book that uh, you'd want to share? I think that I know one person that read it who actually was not a student affairs person that read it thought that it was a little bit overly critical of extroversion, which mm-hmm. I can definitely see where that could come off. I know that I went out of my way in many ways to say that I think that there are a lot of assumptions placed around extroversion just as much as there are around introversion and to kind of temper everything that I wrote, not with the understanding that extroverts didn't have that, but to also say that they're just very different. Mm-hmm. And I think admittedly having a better understanding of the one that I am than the other 
it may have come off that way at times, but I would like to think that, especially when I work with students on these concepts, to let them know that one's not really any better than the other or none of the assumptions that we make on either side are fully correct, just kind of saying that they're different from one another and they excel in different areas. Sure. So to have somebody call out and say like, hey, that felt a little bit critical, me being aware of that makes it easier when I go into situations and talk more about it to let them know it's not designed to be as such. It's just an understanding that they're different. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that that is an unfortunate sort of reflection on society, though, that it seems like if, if someone focuses a blog post or a book or something related to one specific group, then we naturally want to counter it against the other group, almost like there's got to be a hot and a cold uh, when, yeah. when in reality, you're just talking about a different type of water or something. If I don't know if that analogy holds up too long, but uh <laughs> Like I, I remember reading the book and, and for me, the big one was uh, being able to work with introverts and mm-hmm. and knowing um, and knowing the differences between introverts and extroverts. And and I like if you if you were doing a follow up book, I would almost want like the the manager's guide to, in, to uh, dealing with introverts or managing introverts or excelling introverts, um, because extroverts are I think. I feel like they're an easier get because they're more obvious in society. Mm-hmm. It's like um, it's like right-handed versus left-handed kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. analogy yeah. where everything's right. It's a right-handed world. It's an extrovert world. And so that I, I get that quicker. But then it does, when it comes to like using the left hand, I'm like, oh, wait a second. I need to, a guidebook here. Yeah, it, it takes a minute. It moves a little bit more slowly sometimes. It actually is pretty similar to dominant and non-dominant hand use because I am mostly right-handed um, in sports. I'm a lefty. Um, but when I write with my left hand, I can do it. It does not come as naturally. It takes longer, and it's exhausting. And that's really what behaving in an extroverted-type situation for introverts is like. And I'm sure the inverse is true for um, extroverts that are put in situations where introverts dominate. Mm-hmm. Classrooms are actually a really good example of that. Um, so being able to just understand that both are valid, but if it's not your dominant, then it will take you a little bit longer and you're going to have to work a little bit harder, um, I think is a an interesting way of putting that. I will also say that the follow-up is coming, um, less so for managers and um, employees, but more so for students and professionals that work with them. So talking a little bit more about if you have students that are introverts, the way that we're accustomed to dealing with things isn't always the way that they work. So what is the best way to recruit introverted students to organizations, to advise them, to evaluate them at the end of year, to provide recognition in a way that's appropriate for them? So it's on its way. I don't know when, but (laughs) thoughts have started. I thought you were going to do the mic drop. You are going to, like, announce the big book right, yeah. date here. <laughs> like, drop in Falls 2014, man. What, it's coming what? out. Like. I mean, I would love that, but... Yeah. Well, we'll have to see what else is on its way. That's very cool. We got a little uh, scoop there. You know, just be on the lookout for. You heard uh, it here first. Heard it here in official capacity first. This is big. This is big. Um, I'll alert CNN. Yes. Wonderful. Working on the plane, but I'm sure they need something else. Yeah. Um, So I mean, like, there's like a lot of discussion and you know conversation on this issue, Um, and you know I was trying to come up with like, okay, if we had to adopt or adapt the open office plan or something um and just like to be more inclusive do you do you know of anything um of just like progress on including introverts more that people are um attempting or like a school or somewhere that's doing it well 
Um, I've talked to a good number of people that are addressing it specifically in orientation, which I think is a really good start. Um, I know for our student staff for orientation, part of the recruitment process is approaching students specifically. So our director of new student engagement and transition asked staff members to give her names of people that they thought would be good. And then she sent them a personal invitation. So rather than them having to respond to a random advertisement or hope that they hear about it from a friend but maybe don't saying this person has the confidence in you for you to approach this position we'd like you to take some time and think about it and Mm -hmm. then hopefully apply so that personal connection to it rather than kind of having to respond based on a directive given i think has helped our staff members even out a little bit more um and then even in the process having group processes of it but also individual pieces of it and being able to weigh those equally has been really helpful So I know whereas some of our student staff um, selections that don't have that part will have more extroverts in them, ones with a process that kind of weighs both sides, both the individual contribution and how they behave in a group, has given us more even staffs between introverts and extroverts. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that that definitely benefits me if somebody says like that. That's how I got into student affairs. Was someone said like, "Oh, you should apply to be an RA," and you know that that personal touch for it was really um, impactful for me of just being like, "Oh, really? Like, sure, all right." Since you think so, yeah, you know, like, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just because we like to ask people this, and um, you can kind of take it on a very professional way or a personal way. Um, uh, is there anything uh, that you'd like to share that you're uh, reading right now, you're watching now? Um, that could be documentaries or entertainment or anything, just um, stuff that you're kind of getting into and um, anything you'd like to share with the community? Um, I will say that right now I am working on The Bully Pulpit by Doris Kearns Goodwin, and it's about um, Teddy Roosevelt and William Taft and the relationships that they had with the press during the time that they were leading into their presidency and then how it affected the um, policy that they did, which sounds fascinating, I'm sure. (laughs) But um, for me, it's been really interesting to see, like, temperament-wise, how different they were and um, how it affected the relationships that they had. Um, So I kind of see that a little bit in everything that I'm really doing. Um, I guess it just kind of creeps into other pursuits. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll also say that a big personal interest of mine that I'm finding ways to connect to with work is comedy, mm-hmm. um, both stand-up comedy and written comedy. So I've been doing a lot of looking at that. So I've done a couple pieces on the blog so far about it, and I'm looking at doing a few more, like some about Jon Stewart and style of interviewing and how that could affect advising styles. Um, and then also for Kevin Hart and where he's come from like two, three years ago, 10 years ago to where he is now and how his approach affected how successful he was and how we can do that. But I'm seeing a lot there where things in comedy can kind of fit where we are. So that mm-hmm. could also become a book. That's another possible. <laughs> so who really knows? But those are the two big things that I'm doing right now. Yeah. And I hear you on both of those. Just like I'm, I was a history major, so I kind of nerd out about that every once in a while. Then, um, I've, I read a lot of the standup comedy blog posts that you had and I thought those were uh, pretty insightful as well. Yeah. It was, it was just a, a similar comment though, related with, um, I, I love when people pull from other 
careers or industries and then are able to translate it back into their own. Uh, and so I'm actually really curious about the, the political one, um, where the inspiration for that one comes from. Um, well, looking at kind of how they dealt with people. And I think that Teddy Roosevelt was very, very much an extrovert. But then looking at his relationship, not just with the other people in his cabinet and with other people he competed with, but even with Taft as a member of his cabinet. And Taft is very much more introverted and works very differently and kind of seeing capacity secretary of war but also served as secretary of state did a lot of stuff the vice president could have otherwise been doing and just the level of trust that he put in him knowing that he would just get it done um and just kind of letting him do a lot of the behind the scenes work while teddy roosevelt did a lot of the um kind of out front front of house type parts so to speak and then mm. how that translated into Taft who, who originally didn't even really want to be president um, had really wanted to be on the Supreme Court um, and kind of wanted a different kind of role in politics and then how he kind of adapted to doing that so I think that seeing it play out in a political sphere kind of helps me look a little bit at who's front facing who does the behind the scenes work and what that can look like for either group it's funny. I remember. I I, I feel like because you're reading it, or you just read it, and um, I, I remember when I read uh, the biography of Abraham Lincoln, and it was like I don't know, 700 pages of just solid Abraham Lincoln, and yep. I I think yep. I talked about Abe Lincoln for the next. Uh, three or four months in every conversation I could. I'm like, what about this? And started translating how lessons from that book, but uh, to teach us to learn also. So I feel like I was like, I hear you regurgitating the, the lessons mm-hmm. from it, but it's all, it's a, that's it, how we lock it in. So. And Lincoln's a great one too. Like I love reading about Lincoln and I know, I feel like I do that too. Having read a whole bunch of his stuff, I'll say, well, this is how Lincoln would have approached it. <laughs> in your next staff meeting. Yeah. Listen, everybody, yeah. this is Listen, how Lincoln this is how Lincoln would have. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely guilty <laughs> of that as well with him specifically. I'm giving you points if you quote Lincoln at your next meeting. <laughs> I'm going to make that happen. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, just to kind of, because uh, I, yeah, and I, and as I said to say, I, I personally, and just for all the listeners, I make like connections to the sci-fi like all the time. So I watch that and I'm always just like interpreting all like the symbolism or like that was an 80s view of the future and that was in the Cold War and that was, you know, <laughs> it just, yeah. I yeah. always, I can't not do it. But uh, <laughs> what's your ultimate sci-fi? Ultimate sci-fi. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but like, I mean, all of it's so good just for a different <laughs> reason. I mean, I'm on Star Trek right now, and that was in the '80s, so it's like yeah. with the Federation and the Romulans. Like, it was kind of it's very Cold Warish. Um, <laughs> so, Next Generation is all on Netflix for anybody who's interested, but um, and like every every other series, I think too. But um, so, in kind of essay chat fashion, as we kind of wrap up here, um, do you have any final thoughts on the topic of? Introversion, student affairs, where it's at, where it's going, um, anything to kind of just uh, uh, bring it all together here in the end. Um, I think I would say that as we learn how to deal with it as professionals, recognize that it is bigger than us. And I mean, as always, we're kind of in this for the students. So find ways to connect what you get both from the book or from any other approaches about introversion to your students because I think that even for those of us who recognize ourselves to be introverted we will still default to the standard way of relating to students which doesn't always work with them so finding ways to incorporate those lessons into how we work with them 
And again, the publication on exactly how to do that or some pointers for it is forthcoming. But in the meantime, just being attentive to it um, and asking students where they are on that um, and then just kind of figuring out how those lessons can best serve them is the advice that I would give. Yeah, I think that's really important because there's like any of the stuff that's kind of um, like looking inward is only in so much like useful as it like kind of, you know, you help. OK, like I learn more about myself so I can relate to students better, or you know, help them kind of grow on the same path that I was on. So I don't, that is really important, I think, for people to remember is the, you know, just just don't forget about the students as you're like trying to like, you know, develop yourself and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Cool. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ama, for uh, hanging out with us a little bit and talking about this. Uh, I know it's definitely something that I'm uh, personally kind of invested in just since it's, you know, finding that kind of, you know, it's, oh, it's okay to be an introvert and be a leader. Like I've kind of had that journey over college and grad school and different things. So I definitely appreciate you writing the book and appreciate you uh, being on the podcast. I was happy to do it in all ways that that can be interpreted. So definitely awesome. <laughs> asking questions and I will keep, keep investigating it and keep writing about it. Very cool. Yeah. Great. And just before we go, where's the best way that people can find you online? I'm on my blog, amamarfo.com. Um, there is a page there specifically on how to get the book, how to review the book. And if you don't have a Kindle, because it is a Kindle book, um, the other platforms that it can be read on. So you can use the app on the iPad, desktop computers, um, pretty much any way you want to read it. Um, all that information is on there. All right. Perfect. Great. Thanks. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. As always, please leave us your comments and feedback for the podcast. It really helps us out. Give us any ideas for guests or topics for the episodes. We really appreciate it. As always, we want to thank our awesome sponsor, the National Society of Leadership and Success, for supporting this podcast and the whole student affairs community. If you haven't already, you can check them out at societyleadership.org to find out more information about how how they can help your campus students discover and achieve their goals.